0: Please have a seat. Thanks for joining us today in God's house for worship and for uh, learning as we continue our study of Hebrews. Uh, Chapters 3 and 4 are what we're going to cover comprehensively in 15 minutes. No problem. Here we go. Hebrews is a tough book. Um... Especially if you don't happen to be a Hebrew, right? This has uh, got an audience, and so we have to put ourselves in the shoes of uh, ancient people living sometime between, oh, 40 and 69 A.D., who happen to know about this Old Testament thing so we have any idea about how Christ compares to a temple, how Christ compares to a tabernacle, a Sabbath, a Moses, an angel, and all of what this author, this teacher of the Hebrews happens to uh, give us. And so it ends up that we have to be, well, kind of like a naturalized citizen, understanding not our own place, but uh, that of, of somebody else, taking on a new identity and, and uh, identifying with it instead. More on that maybe near the end, but I'll uh, start with this bit from Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 by inviting you to turn in the pew Bibles that you have to page 1002, 1003, or in your other Bibles to, well, I'm not going to give you a page because I don't know which one you're going to look at. So you take a look at Hebrews uh, chapter 3, chapter 4 is where we're at, so that that's in front of us. But I have a question for you. Have you ever been woken up by the light? Uh, my, uh, my wife gets woken up by the fan and by the light in our uh, bathroom and it is loud and it is bright and she is grumpy. I tell you, uh, I get woken up by the light, but it's, uh, later and, uh, later these days because the fall is coming and that's going to turn into the winter and we got that big uh, glass door and if left to myself without an alarm, I could probably sleep until the sun is poking out. Uh, but have you ever been woken up? by the sun by a bright light and what is your reaction to that it probably varies depending on the day there's a lot of days where I would be the guy to pull up the comforter pull up the sheets, pull up the blankets or just put the pillow on my head and pretend that it's still dark because boy it's uncomfortable to wake up can I hear an amen alright, okay, we got listeners this is wonderful Um, it's sometimes easier, more comfortable to stay in the dark instead of greeting the sun in glorious day. And we have a tradition in Christendom of greeting the day as children of the day instead of as children of creature comfort, creatures of self-satisfaction. And in fact, this is uh, couched in Embodied in one of the psalms, a favorite psalm, a popular psalm, one that's well used over the last couple of millennia, uh, that we even include in morning prayer in our hymnals that are are there in in our chapel pews uh, that that has a long tradition of uh, use in the Jewish world also, which is why Hebrews chapter 3 And Hebrews chapter 4 is essentially an extended exposition on this psalm. It's Psalm 95. You see it quoted here at verse 7 of chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. If you're reading along with me, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, The author of the Hebrews says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart and have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. That's the very end of Psalm 95. But as I say, we have a long tradition in the West of greeting the sun with this psalm. Benedict of Nursia, the 6th century monk from Monte Cassino that founded a monastery. He named it after himself. St. Benedict's Monastery, and all the monks named themselves after him. All the Benedictine monks followed a certain rule, a regulation, how to live a life as a monk way back 1,500 years ago, and part of that rule was all the psalms that you had to sing together every single day, and they'd get through all 150 psalms every single week so that by the time that you were in the monastery for about a month, you had you know, the entire book of psalms memorized. Imagine that. And a few of those you said every single day as well. Psalm 95 and Psalm 3 were the Psalms that you sang together every single day that you woke up. And Psalm 95 is beautiful. Oh, come, let us worship the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. And let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks are his also. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. A glorious song of creation. A glorious song of new creation. A glorious song of a rest. A Sabbath. A day to enjoy the Lord that lasts forever. A day, a rest, the sun that wakes us up. So today, it goes on in Psalm 95, today, if you hear his voice, do not be the child of creature comfort. Do not be the child of self-satisfaction. And do not be the one who is of the Israelites that Moses led out into the desert that said, this isn't comfortable anymore this is not satisfying what's with all the manna yeah i know it's a free meal but can we get a little meat (laughs) yeah i know we got god's provision and the shoes aren't wearing out and the clothes are still on our backs and we don't have to go shopping but i really would love some of those crocodile nuggets and remember the garlic Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did at Massah, as they did at Meribah, and I swore in my anger that they would not enter my rest into my new day, into my new creation, into my new son. What a glorious psalm. And Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 is essentially a Bible study on that psalm. But it takes as given that there's salvation that there's salvation for the people of Israel. And who led the people of Israel out of Egypt? It was Moses. That's a saving act. It's the most important salvation act of the entire Old Testament, and Moses is a savior. Moses is their king. Moses is their prophet, and Moses is their priest. And the promised land is great. But dear friends in Christ, Moses is a shadow Of a prophet and a priest and a king and a savior to come and the promised land flowing with milk and honey, that's a shadow of what is to come. Dear friends who love Moses, Jesus is bigger, Jesus is superior in as much as his priesthood, in as much as his prophecy, even as much as the promised land that he draws us to is bigger and better and more eternal, would you rather just have the Sabbath? (laughs) Would you rather just have the Sabbath the way that the critics of Jesus wanted the Sabbath in his time and place? Let's recall what Jesus had to deal with, with those critics who were talking about the Sabbath. This is in Matthew chapter 12. This is on page uh, 816, 817, if you're following along in your pew Bibles in the English Standard Version. Matthew chapter 12. You know how Jesus did things on the Sabbath? At that time, beginning of the chapter, Matthew 12, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath and he picked some food and he ate it. He was doing work, see. And verse 2, the Pharisees said, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, Knock it off. That's how David did things. Hmm. Verse 5, Have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profaned the Sabbath and are guiltless? Verse 6, I tell you something greater than the temple is here, and if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath, The Sabbath. not just the seventh day of the week, not just Saturday, not just a day to refrain from doing the wrong thing and try to do the right thing and tip your hat to God and hope you can get through the other 83% of your week the right way. 84%, sorry. Where's my math majors at? Correct me. But the Sabbath, the Sabbath that the Son of Man is Lord of, the Sabbath that has no end, the Sabbath that had a beginning when God rested from all the creating that He had created, day seven, and then the dawn. Of a new and glorious day, the eighth day that has no evening like the other ones did. A new day, the day that's eternal, the eternal Sabbath. Take a look at how Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 13 in your pew Bibles. This is on page 872, 873. There's a woman with a disabling spirit and Jesus is so bold as to heal her on the Sabbath. Verse 12 of Luke chapter 13. Jesus saw her, called her over, said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. He laid his hands on her. There's six days to do healing. The HMO doesn't pay on the Sabbath, Jesus. The Pharisees are angry. And the Lord answered the way he did in Matthew when he said, If your sheep falls in a pit, don't you go get the sheep? This one. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water? You do what's right on the Sabbath. He's not above getting your ass out of a pit on the Sabbath. Ever get your ass in a pit? It's the pits. You bet your bottom dollar. The Sabbath. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath is bigger than his critics think. The Sabbath is bigger than the Pharisees think. The Sabbath, dear friends in Christ, is bigger than you think because it's not just a when. It's not just the Saturday to come. It's not just a one day a week you set aside to worship the Lord. It's not just a time, it's a place. And it's not just a time and a place, it's a person. It's not just political boundaries of Canaan and the promised land. No, it's a kingdom that lasts forever. It's a person. He has become our Sabbath rest. He is our rest. Hebrews chapter 3. All of this sets up this issue of Jesus being the fulfillment of this. Being bigger than Moses, but not because we're dealing with a superior game between Gentiles and Jews or between Jesus and everybody else. No. It means something for your salvation. That's why he goes on in chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, to set this up. Moses was a prophet. Moses was a priest. But Jesus is a son and he's the builder of the house. The last verse of that, verse 6. We are his house. We are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. If we establish that, then we go on. That psalm, that song about Moses and the Israelites. And it's time to enter the rest. And if you grumble, grumble, and are not willing to wake up with the sun if you're caring more about the creature comforts and self-satisfaction and self-righteousness then you are not going to enter the rest the superiority of jesus over moses and the superiority of his promised land a kingdom that has no end over the political boundaries of canaan this is not a question of christian versus Jew. This is not a question of some racist construct. The race turns out to be essential to this. It's not how we or they might consider it on the face of it. That is, what the teacher here is saying is not that any of belief in Jesus transcends race, but that in Christ, God establishes a transcendent race. People who live in the same house. Brothers, As we heard Dr. Uh, Eschelbach go on with from last week and a couple of weeks back. That house, these brothers, that land, that dwelling place is the Sabbath rest who is this son of man. Moses is great, but he's a shadow leading to this. Salvation is now in Jesus Christ. The eternal day, now. The eternal moment, the now. In the eternal now, this new day of creation, today is the day. So focus with me in this text on just a couple of more verses. Verse 13. I'm in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. And what does it say here? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. I told you to turn to it and I closed my Bible. <laughs> Sorry, I'm finding it. Hebrews 3, here it is. Three thirteen. But exhort one another, brothers, housemates, roommates... Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, when we still have a today, Mm. that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, so that we may enter that rest, so that we are not self-satisfied, so that we are not looking only at creature comforts and a small pie kind of God, with a small pie kind of promised land. Dear friends in Christ, this is not just about life and death. There are bigger things than that. This is about eternity. This is about a Sabbath. This is about you and us and Jesus. This is why he goes on in a later portion, Hebrews chapter 10, to say, because all this is true, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds all the more as you see the day. Today? Tomorrow? Now? As you see the end approaching, as you see the day approaching We need to encourage one another to be children of this rest, children of this sun, children of this light. Finally, verses 16 to 19. Follow along with me and focus here. Page 1002 in your pew Bible. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 16 to 19. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Guess what? They were Jews. Guess what? They were saved. (laughs) In your salvation do you rebel? In your salvation, do you say, thank you, but no thank you. I'll take the crocodile nuggets. In your salvation, encourage one another. Who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt? All the saved? All the redeemed? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? All of them. Even Moses, recall. Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, when does it stand? Today. Not tomorrow. Today. Let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, and it came to them, and we have an example. Dear friends in Christ, it's coming to us daily in the word of God. It comes to us with every delivery of the person and work of Jesus Christ in his holy word, in your ear hole, in your eye hole, in your mouth hole, that's why God gave you holes in your face, to receive this word. Mm. or we who have believed enter that rest. We, children of the light, are you part of that transcendent race? Not what you see, Mm-mm. but the promise that you see with your ears, the promise that you hear Christ delivering to you that says, I have a promise for you. Verse 3, we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, God rested, and again, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 6, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, Those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day to get in, to naturalize, to become one of these faithful Hebrews' promises. Dear friends in Christ, when is that rest? Today. Where is that rest? In Christ. Who? is that rest, even Jesus Christ. Verse 9, final verse. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. There remains a rest for the people of God. There remains a rest for you, dear child of God, but that rest is not a weekend coming. That rest is not just a when... Not just a location. That rest is a who. That rest is Jesus Christ. Trust in him. Trust his promise. And trust also that next week Dr. Mueller is going to come and clean up my mess. Let's pray together.